Well, good morning once again, and God bless you. Thank you for tuning in and being ready for another message that we'll go through this morning. Very excited and ecstatic to bring the Word of God this morning. A lot has gone on this week and just have uh, really sensed and felt the love of Christ in many different areas of my life. And so I'm just uh, excited to share the Word of God this morning. Uh, Let's just go ahead and and pray before we do anything else and invite the Holy Spirit into uh, our presence. Father God, Lord, thank you again for another opportunity to hear from you, to seek your face and uh, study your word, or to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and to direct our paths. Father, we need you to give us direction. Please grant us wisdom and vision. Help us to understand and rightfully divide your word that we may be able to be those that apply it to our lives and see how uh, it tangibly Uh, alters our lives for the better, that we are new creations in Christ and we uh, can live victoriously over sin and uh, death and all the things that uh, come against us in any single given day. Uh, We have victory in Christ. And so please now, may you go before us and speak to us, Lord. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, we will be in Acts chapter 16, going through verses 11 through 15 this morning. So I'll go ahead and begin starting in verse 11. Excuse me. And it reads, So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samotris, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the woman, women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. I've entitled the message this morning, The Miracle of Salvation. And everything that is encompassed in that. Up to this point of time in uh, chapter 16 of the book of Acts, we have been introduced to Timothy. And we have seen the Holy Spirit redirect Paul's ministry team to uh, his desired location. To where the Holy Spirit wanted Paul and and Silas and Timothy to to preach and teach and share the good news of the gospel. So that's what's gone on up to this point in chapter 16. Today we will learn of a certain woman from Thyatira, a a city in Macedonia, and this woman was Lydia. And we're going to learn how she is going to be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
we're also going to learn what can happen when the good news is met with a responsive heart. How many lives can literally be transformed by the influence of one individual. We'll also learn how hospitality is at the core of the Christian life, having a hospitable heart. We have several main points this morning, and the, and the first main point is this. There is no sexism or discrimination within the body of Christ. We have to understand kind of the framework and the history of what's going on to understand this. But in those days, it was commonly thought that a woman's value was less than a man's. That's just how it was. They were not given equal opportunities to learn and to read like men. They were looked upon as being trophy pieces for men and and simply as a means of reproduction. Women kind of fell in the same category of someone who was a half-breed or was not a full race. They were considered half a human being, less than a dog. There was was no real value uh, equal to men in that times. It was so bad. That in the Roman culture, there there was just a heavy influence on the man's uh, approval and the man's involvement in life in general. So say that there was a, a baby that was, was born. The man in those days had the power to give a thumbs up or a thumbs down. The thumbs up basically meant uh, the man, the male wanted this baby to survive and to live. And if uh, the, the man did not want this baby to survive, he would simply put his thumb down and that would mean that this baby needs to be terminated. They would typically uh, drown those infant babies that receive the thumbs down. And so that's just very just discouraging when you think about it. Like, man, that's pretty bad that that's how they looked at women and they looked at human life and how they gave an un, unreasonable, unbalanced proportion of uh, power to men in those days. How difficult it must have been to be a woman living in that day and age. But we do see, and this is the, 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 the light in all of this, in direct contrast to that way of thinking and just that way of living, the true church valued the worth of women. Paul, just like his master Jesus Christ, never shied away from speaking the truth of the gospel to women and sharing that uh, in, in intently and intensely with them. He understood a, a, a woman's worth in Jesus Christ and he didn't have any ulterior motives. There was no, no nothing dirty about it, nothing you know sneaky about it, nothing sly, no 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 quit pro quo going on. It was simply he wanted to share the love of Christ with these individuals. The second main point is this: it is the work of God who opens up the hearts of people to receive. Jesus Christ within their hearts. We can never take credit for our salvation or our conversion. These are both supernatural acts and works that only the Lord can do. It was God who provided the perfect environment and circumstances to come about in Lydia's life at the exact perfect time to bring about the opportunity for her to be saved. 
And the same happens in our lives today. The Lord brings about the exact circumstances, the exact environment, the exact perfect timing and the opportunity for all things to converge and meet for an individual to be saved. She didn't have a, uh, excuse me, she did have, I will say, a part to play in this as she had to respond correctly. What I mean by this is simply free will, free will. This is where free will comes into play. She had the free will to choose and receive Jesus Christ after hearing the message of salvation or to reject him. You see, this is very significant because you and I and people of uh, across the board do not go to hell because of their sins. Because the Bible is clear that Jesus Christ came to forgive sins, past, present, and future, all time for all human beings. But people do go to hell because they reject Jesus Christ instead of receiving him. Hence, their sins remain unforgiven because Jesus Christ is the only one who can forgive sins. And since individuals who choose to reject him, they reject the only one who can forgive their sins, it is for this reason that they go to hell because the only one who can forgive them, they have rejected him. The truth is, heaven will be full of sinners but sinners who are forgiven and transformed forever. The third main point is this. As Christians, we should grow in our hospitality towards other people. Simply just look at Jesus. Look at the heart of Christ, right? He became a sacrifice for all mankind. He became Sin, meaning that sin sacrifice, who knew no sin. It was his perfect, pure blood that was shed. He did that for all of us. So we could all have the opportunity to be at peace with God the Father and live with him in paradise forever. If you don't see hospitality in that, then you just can't see. Because hospitality is at the core of that. Jesus Christ is the ultimate host, taking in any sinner that is willing to admit their need for him. He gets rid of our filthiness, all of our wickedness that we come to him with, and he clothes us with righteousness. Just like a hospital would heal someone who comes in, a patient that is physically sick and and having all these ailments, Uh, Jesus is like that, but far greater and far better because he heals more than just our physical needs, but our, our, our emotional, our spiritual, our psychological, across the board from head to toe, he heals all things. He is the epitome of hospitality. And so we want to see our lives, again, being transformed to be more like Christ in that, in that character of hospitality. All right, let's go ahead and begin to unpack these verses. So I'll go ahead and start with verses 11 and 12, and I'll read them again. And it says, So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. 
Okay, so let's first start off by, by getting, again, a, a bit of background to our current setting and what's going on here. Paul and his missionary team, they had sailed across the Aegean Sea from the continent of Asia, and now they're in Europe. Now, this was a big, important step, even perhaps probably bigger than Paul had even thought or known in this time, because the trip in itself was an extremely huge feat because it wasn't a small task to travel that far in that day and age by ship. You know, it was a big deal to go that far. This was unheard of at the time. <clears throat> this once again points to one, Paul's faith, and more importantly, God's provision for Paul in every detail. This is important for us because this should be reassuring for us that as we go through the circumstances of our lives, that we can rest assured that our God is concerned and involved in all the fine details of our lives. He cares. He is taking a focus and concentrated on what is going on with you and I. And he sees the hurt. He sees the hang up. He sees the pain. He sees the struggles. And he wants to help us walk through those things, trusting in Jesus Christ. Interestingly enough, many Bible scholars believe that the phrase, they sailed straight, means uh, that it, as they went straight for uh, Samothrace, that this is actually a nautical expression, meaning that the winds were at their backs. So if you, to get a picture of this, if you're into you know boating or sailing, you have to picture the most perfect day to go sailing, the most perfect day to be on a boat where the winds aren't rustling and going crazy and tossing you, you know, tossing the waves back and forth and is very, you know, rough <clears throat> on 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 the the waters, but the winds were calm at this time and they were able to sail 156 miles <clears throat> in just about 2 days. Whereas if you read in Acts chapter 20 verse 6, returning they they it took them 5 days uh you know on the same route just simply because the weather was at a disadvantage to them it seems to me as you read this that the lord wanted to get there fast uh, they wanted to get he wanted to get them there fast he wanted them on the fast track to get to this location and paul here he followed a plan to plant churches in major cities and he was led by the Holy Spirit to do this there. He knew that it was easier for the gospel to spread from these specific cities rather than to these cities. And so that's why he was led there. Next, if you do some digging and, and some study, you will find out that history reveals that Philippi was actually the place where the armies of Mark Anthony and Octavian uh, defeated Brutus and Cassius in the Battle of the Second Roman Civil War in 42 BC. I share that bit of historical information because this brings up the whole understanding of uh, many Roman soldiers retired in this area 
that was called Philippi, and Philippi was proud of its Romans' connections, and that's why there was a Roman colony in the city. Just a again a, a brief bit of historical background, but it it helps us to understand why uh, you know a Roman colony was in the city and why the Bible is speaking of that. All right, now let's go ahead and get into the heart of the message here in verses thirteen through fifteen, and it says, and on the Sabbath day. We went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the woman who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. The fact that the Jews of Philippi had no synagogue and met by the river meant that there weren't many Jewish men in Philippi to begin with. And if there was some there, they were not, um, you know, they were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. This is a side note, but I think it's significant, so I'll share it. This reveals a lack of men taking their rightful place in God's covenantal order. Now, we know if you have ever read uh, through the book of Ezekiel, specifically Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 29 through 31, it speaks, uh, you know, directly to this whole concept of what, what's going on here. Um, I'm not going to read those verses, but I'll paraphrase and I'll just share the premise of those verses in Ezekiel. Because the men of those that time the 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 priests and 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 those who were in some form of leadership and had influence because they were practicing wickedness instead of righteousness the lord basically poured out his fury upon the land because there was no righteous men that were found everyone was doing wickedness things were men were doing things that were corruptible and they were not taking their rightful place in god's order and if you you know fast forward even to our day and age, you look at our country, you look at the state of our country and the things that are going on within society, uh, I truly do believe that this explains largely uh, the state that we are in. A lack of godly men taking their position when we don't take our rightful position, it forces women into positions that they were never supposed to take in the first place because someone has to do it. You look at all uh, uh, of the families, unfortunately, that the man has left the family unit and the man has gone off to do whatever else he wanted to do selfishly, leaving the woman to be mother and father to you know children. Uh, the man has to take his rightful place in order for the family unit to have that perfect circle and to for the family unit to be in harmony. And if you break down the family, then obviously you're going to break down society and you're going to break down the culture because, you know, everything starts with the family unit. Even within the church, we need strong families. The lack of strong families means you're going to have lack of a strong church. And so it's so important here. Uh, when you look at this city, historians have found that inscribed actually on the arcs outside of the city of Philippi was basically a warning saying, 
don't bring any foreign religions into this city. And so this also would explain why this prayer meeting was held outside of the city gates for the fear of being incriminated or, you know, persecuted because you're bringing, you know, a different religion, you're bringing the truth, but nonetheless, they didn't want the truth. They were content with their false gods and and their, their idol worship at this time. After following the Holy Spirit's leading into Macedonia, Paul made his first contact with a small group of women. Paul never allowed race, gender, or age, or cultural boundaries to keep him from preaching the good news to others. He preached to these women without hesitation. And and this preaching to these women opened the door for ministry in that whole region. Through these women, the gospel exploded. God worked in and through women often in the early church. Now, this is important to point out, too, because this is a great contrast to the religious Jewish leaders of that time. Because with them, with the, 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 the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin, which is basically, you know, the whole council, the Jerusalem, uh, you know, the Jewish council of the religious leaders, there, there was no women involved. No women involved to the extent, again, that women weren't even able to read the scriptures for themselves to, to understand what, what the law was about. Everything was funneled down through men and what men told them to do. It is important to point out that God does have an order. We know that Adam was created first, but that still doesn't mean that Eve has less of value than Adam. Men and women are equal in God's eyes, but we have separate functions. But somehow and somewhere through you know all that had gone on, the Jewish religious leaders they forgot all about this and they regarded women as second class citizens and them to be first class. Jesus Christ himself had many moments where he engaged with women, all different kinds of women, and for that matter, some with more or with with less desirable reputations than than others. But still, he engaged with them, uh, from Mary and Martha to the woman who had the constant uh, issue of bleeding to the woman caught in adultery. This is just to name a few, but we see his true shepherd's heart to care for all these women he was concerned with every excuse me with every single one of their needs it's also important to point out that many times the Lord would go to the women, again, because the men were nowhere to be found, just like it was said in, in Ezekiel chapter 22. Basically, the men weren't fulfilling their roles within the family, within church, and within the society. And unfortunately, some things still have not changed very much. The application for us today is this. We, like Paul and Jesus, need to hold the same view of women. As long as things line up with scripture, women should be free to be used in the church for many different purposes. They should be included and be given the respect of a complete person. Women should never be excluded from duties within the church simply because of their gender, because they are women. The lack of character integrity 
And biblical truth and the order of roles should be the only basis of why women shouldn't hold certain roles or titles within the church. This leads us to the individual. Well, who was this woman? Who was this woman that stood out, stood up, excuse me, stood out amongst the crowd that Paul was speaking to? It was Lydia. Now, Lydia, similar to the Proverbs 31 woman, Lydia was a woman of noble character. Like uh, Timothy, her reputation preceded her in a very good way. She was known as someone who was upright, who was stand-up, who had a good character. She was, excuse me, a seller of purple. Anyone who was a seller of purple dealt in valued luxurious products products that were you know uh, uh, of 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 high value more than likely she was wealthy because this was her trade this is what she delved in to earn a living for her household she was from the city of Thyatira and now Thyatira was well known as a center for this purple dye and this fabric uh, made from it that was used for again, like I said, v- v- valued goods, things that were uh, used by people that had, uh, you know, an <clears throat> excess amount of wealth. These dyes were used for uh, making purple were expensive and they were highly regarded because purple was a sign of nobility and royalty. You also read about this because later on there was a church in Thyatira and it was one of the seven churches addressed in the book of Revelation. That's in uh, Revelation chapter 2 verses 18 through 29 if you feel the desire to read up about that. Now we see here that Lydia was actually the first convert in Europe and she was a woman. That's that's extremely significant. Again, this points to the whole fact that there is no discrimination in the body of Christ, that Jesus doesn't look at, at, at women any lesser or any person of any different race. He, he's looking at the heart. He's looking at what is the character of the individual? What is the desire? What is the intent of the person? Next, we see that the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. She already had a desire for God. And here we see that he was going to meet her need exactly where she was at. Lydia's attendance at this prayer gathering it demonstrated her willingness to respond to as much of God as she knew. And God responded to her request by giving her more truth, by meeting her where she was at. The application for us this morning is this. For us, this clearly proves that we are responsible for how we respond to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. We can never claim that we were never told of who Jesus Christ was or we've never heard about it, right? We don't live in the bush somewhere, you know, in, 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 in deep in, in the forest somewhere in, in, in South America. No, we, we are here in America and we've heard the gospel message. So it's upon us. How will we respond to the message? 
because it has everything to do with our heart condition once we hear the gospel. Because it's either this, did we respond by wanting to learn more about this gospel message? Or did we simply ignore it and tune it out and turn it off and turn the dial up and say, you know what, I'm too busy, I'm too concerned with other things that I have on my agenda. That's not something of value to me. That's not something that I want to spend my time learning about or living for. I don't want to live for Jesus right now. So I'm going to tune him out. Those are the only two ways we're going to respond. We see that Lydia was far from a biblical scholar, but she had a heart and wanted to learn more about Jesus Christ. And that's the important thing. And that's what the Lord looked at. It wasn't that she was reciting scripture verse by verse and doing all this and that. And she had all these accolades by her name, you know, spiritually speaking. No, it was that she had a heart and a desire to know God and to know him on a deeper level. Before Lydia was converted, the Lord opened her heart. She was baptized acknowledging that her life had been changed forever by Jesus Christ. You see, she was not ashamed of being identified with Jesus Christ, and that's what water baptism is all about. The fact that you and I would be willing to publicly proclaim our allegiance to Jesus Christ and not be ashamed of it, not to hide under a rock, not to be, you know, you know, I don't want to say that I'm a Christian or I don't want anyone to know that I'm a Christian. It's like, no, I believe in Jesus Christ and, and I'm I'm proud of that. Not in a way where you <clears throat> you flaunt it in a manner that's disrespectful to other people, but you're not gonna bow down when confronted with are you a Christian? You will say, I'm a believer in Christ. If you, you know, before this pandemic, you wouldn't be ashamed to bow your head in a restaurant before your meal and pray out loud. Not all crazy like a Pharisee to draw attention to yourself, but you weren't going to simply be like, well, I can't pray for my meal because I, you know, I don't want the, I don't want the people in the booth next to me to see that I'm a Christian. It's like, I'm not ashamed. I'm a, I'm a praying, I'm a praying Jesus Christ's name. You know, it's funny. We, you know, people pray a lot in public, but they don't want to say in Jesus Christ's name. Well, it's like, man, you ain't giving him glory. Who you praying to? You praying to some little demigod <laughs> because, you know, the true and living God, you got to come to him in Jesus' name. That's the only way. And so that's what we see here with Lydia. She was not ashamed to be identified with Jesus Christ. We also see that others in her household were baptized as well. This to us, we understand that this reveals the impact that one person can have on others. Because the reality is this, whether for good or for bad, we all make an impact and we influence others around us. I need to ask a very important question, a sobering question, and I and I pray that we will all hear this question as it was meant to be said. What kind of impact is your life having on those around you? Does anyone know the love of Jesus Christ because of your life? Are people being influenced for good? Are people being inspired to seek the Lord because they see the love of Christ in your life? I hope the answer is yes. Next, we see that this is a work, again, that God must do in all who believe because as Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 44, no one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. The application for us is this. 
This is why it's so important for us when we evangelize or when we intercede for others, praying for them, that we ask God to open their hearts. Because without this, there can be no genuine conversion. It's the Lord who has to draw men and women onto himself. But we can do our part and we can pray for them. We can intercede. We can ask and, you know, you know, beg the Lord to to open up the hearts of those who have still not responded. And just think for a minute of all those that you know that still don't know who Jesus Christ is, meaning they still don't have a personal relationship with him. We need to continue to pray that the Lord would grant those who aren't saved the ability to respond. Amen. Lastly, we see here that Lydia invited the opportunity to show hospitality to Paul and to his ministry team. The text says that she begged us, speaking of Lydia to Paul, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. Immediately, Lydia set about doing good. She was all about jumping in and being all in the mix, not waiting for some great opportunity to come. You know, we do that sometimes. We say, oh, well, one day I'll serve the Lord. When everything works out and all my circumstances are perfect, then then I'll serve him. But you know what? You influence and you affect the future by what you and I do today right now. You want to see a brighter tomorrow? Then you make today the best you can and you do what the Lord calls you to do today. You don't wait for some grand opportunity. You go and serve where you are called right now and you will see a better tomorrow. That is the truth. Her hospitality was touching and it was wonderful. There's a saying. And it goes like this. You can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. And 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 what that basically means is, you know, I mean your 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 rage and 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 your and and your you know uh being you know aggressive and all that it 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 would do far better to to love on people and show people love you know than to be harsh with with those how desperately we need that kind of uh you know hospitable heart in these times that we're living in, in, in our country, in our, in the world we live in, people need to be loved, not, not hated, not, not ostracized. You know, we need to understand that, that we need to share the love of Christ with those around us. That, that's going to do far greater than, 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 than rebelling and, and, and fighting and, and arguing. We need to, you know, share the love of Christ with those around us, those who are, you know, emotionally hurt, who are spiritually hurt, who are frustrated, who are in a rage and in a fit. We need to share the love of Christ with those around us. Rather than seeing these men as a burden or, or something that was disrupting her business and her family, Lydia laid out a welcome mat. She invited them in. She was hospitable to them. The idea behind the word hospitality, it comes from the word hospital. And we know that a hospital is somewhere where people go that they're sick physically and they get healing. They get the help they need. They get the medicine they need to get. They get the therapy. They get, uh, you know, all these things that are going to help get them back on the right track. When we practice hospitality, or excuse me, 
we practice hospitality, that is, when we genuinely are are cordial and inviting and we open up our doors to our homes to the care of others. And, and that's, again, <clears throat> what fellowship is all about, fellowshipping with the saints, fellowshipping with one another. True hospitality nurtures, strengthens, and serves the individual, resulting in people being <clears throat> people being physically, spiritually, and emotionally helped when they leave us. This is a question for those of us that are you know hospitable or we believe that we are hospitable or for those that uh, you know desire to be more hospitable hospitable excuse me when people leave your home or your presence are they better off than when they first came meaning does their attitude does their countenance seem better seem different in a more positive way when they leave interacting with you or do they leave <laughs> more bummed out more stressed out like you didn't help at all you just made the situation worse hopefully lord willing that's not the case hopefully people leave our presence and leave our homes feeling refreshed feeling like they've you know they've gotten a boost in confidence and this is all again we don't take any credit for it it's the holy spirit working through But again, remember, Jesus wants to live his life through your life and my life. And so there should be a strong influence for good when people come into contact with us. Do we use our homes and our influence to help those who are hurting around us, even within this pandemic, you know, using the Zoom, using phone conversations, um, you know, those that are going out interacting with people? Are we utilizing these resources and these uh, experiences and circumstances to help hurting people around us. If not, there's no better time than today to start. Amen? All right, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this timely message, Lord, of showing us the importance of accepting all people in the sense of everyone deserves the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord. We should not look at anyone as they don't deserve the opportunity. We need to have the heart of Christ and to share the word. And and upon that, Lord, it's you who will do a work within their hearts, whether or not they will receive the truth of who Jesus Christ is and who he wants to be in their lives. But we need to do our part and we need to willingly share the message of Christ with all those we come in contact with. We also are just grateful for the fact that you show us that, Lord, what an influence our individual lives have on all those around us. Lord, we affect so many people, either for for bad or for good, depending on what we do, how we follow you, Lord. So I pray that you would help us to remember and recognize, Lord, the fact that You want to do a mighty work in and through our lives, Lord, and we are significant, Lord. Every single believer in Christ is so significant to your kingdom and to uh, seeing the furtherment of the gospel, especially in these times on this planet. 
Lord, lastly, we are grateful for the fact that we see that uh, with growing in your son, Jesus Christ, we should all grow with a hospitable heart, Lord. And that means our, our attitude towards others and wanting to see people healed, wanting to see people grow in you, wanting to see people strengthened in their faith. These are all things that that should be, uh, you know, spewing out of us, Lord, the, these these good works, this this righteous fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in the life of every believer. So we thank you just for these um, needed reminders, Lord. Help us to be those that truly seek your wisdom and your direction for our lives and for the lives of those around us. Father, we also pray for any individual that's listening to this message that does not know you, Lord. Now, today is the day of salvation. It is uh, professing with your heart and with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you will be saved, Lord, as there, there is no you know fancy thing that anyone has to do. It's simply in the quietness of one's heart, uh, understanding that they're a sinner, that they are destined for hell because their natural bend is to do the other thing, to go against you, and that understanding that Jesus Christ gave his life so that um, we can all be saved, Lord. That That is the acknowledgement there, and that acknowledgement in that in in that event that causes everything else supernaturally however you do it to save a person's soul so i just pray that if there's any individual listening now that's not saved lord that that now is the time that they acknowledge that they need salvation and salvation can only come through your son jesus christ so again we thank you for this time we just pray that you are blessed by uh, this worship and praise of your word lord may we be those that uh, apply this these principles to our lives make us stronger in our faith we thank you and we love you it's in jesus christ mighty name that we pray amen